Greetings all and welcome to this bonus episode of the Everyday Hope podcast. As we went through the introduction to Revelation in episode two, we really didn't get a chance to just read chapter one together. So I thought it'd be a good idea to read through this in a separate episode. This way, you can skip it if you want. No one will know. All right, for the rest of you stalwart faithful, let's go through chapter one together. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now, this is kind of a cool intro, and it precedes that typical letter intro that happens in verse 4. This short passage sets us up to read this book as what it is, apocalyptic prophecy, a word from God to God's people that reveals the truth about what is to come. And did you hear how it closed with the line, for the time is near? Very common in first century writings. When Jesus said, I'll be back, his followers thought he meant, I'll be right back. We see that a lot in the New Testament documents, but we know that no one knows when he will return. Even he doesn't. He told us in Matthew 24, 36, that only the Father knows that. So you can bet on one thing. Any day someone predicts as the day is probably safe. Okay, verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. Okay, so this is the letter intro we talked about. And the beginning is very much like the intro to most of Paul's letters, but with some cool stuff we should look at. For example, John reminds us of Jesus' death. As the firstborn of the dead, Jesus is also the firstborn of the raised from the dead. He shares in our legacy of death so that we may share in his legacy of resurrection. It's kind of a cool little thing John slips in there. He also reminds us of what Jesus did to free us, And what he freed us for, to be a kingdom of priests. We are priests. We are those with the right to come before the Lord and offer prayers. We are no longer in need of an intermediary. God has granted us direct access to him through Jesus. What an amazing thing to have free access into the throne room of the Most High God. Amen? And in verse 7, we get the famous view of Jesus' return, coming on the clouds. We get the reminder we heard in Matthew 24. If folks say, we saw him, he's over there. Don't believe him. Why? Because when he returns, every eye will see him. If you read a book that says he came back and only visited with a single race of people, that text would contradict this promise, which occurs in multiple places, right? When he comes back, it will be a thing, not a secret. Okay, verse 9. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Right, So we know that John was exiled on Patmos in his later years. 
And this is when God sends his angel to give John this vision, this revealing of truth. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So these are the seven churches we'll be looking at through chapters two and three. Now, verse 12, then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like the son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash across his chest. Now, don't forget Daniel 7, where we get the name, the son of man. Daniel has a vision of the ancient of days seated on his throne and one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Verse 14, his head and his hair were white, as white as wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining with full force. Interesting that this description sounds more like the description of the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7. Not surprising though, right? And we see two important symbols here. Jesus is standing among seven lampstands, and he is holding seven stars. John will actually explain those symbols in a sec. All right, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead and see, I am alive forever and ever. I have the keys of death and Hades. Now write what you have seen, what is and what is to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. All right, I want to get this out now, so it's there when we get to it later. Sometimes a passage makes it easy. Sometimes a passage tells us what a symbol means. John has a vision of the Son of Man, and he is standing among seven lampstands, and in his right hand he holds seven stars. And thankfully, we're told exactly what these things symbolize. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. The seven stars are the angels of the churches. I want you to keep that in mind. John has used the symbol of a lampstand, something that gives light to the world, as a symbol for a church. It makes sense, then, that throughout this book, a lampstand will always symbolize the same thing. With me? That'll be important in chapter 11. Also, don't miss the importance of these two images together. Jesus holds the seven stars in his hand. This is a symbol of authority. Jesus is the head of the church. He is in authority over the church. The church has often exercised great authority over not just people, but also Jesus and his word. But we're reminded that he holds the angels of the churches in his right hand with me. But this is not just about authority. Jesus is also seen among the seven lampstands. He is among the churches. So he is not a distant dictator. And when things seem crazy, like Jesus has taken a holiday, this image reminds us that he is still present. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we struggle to understand this difficult and wonderful book, our purpose will not be to acquire trivia, but to know you better and to hear your word to us, especially at such a chaotic time. Bless us, Lord. Protect us through this pandemic. Keep our friends and family safe and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.